0: Don't play with things that go boom. Lessons from my days in Olive Grab by Clint Morey, Specialist, 4th Class, Retired. Well, not actually retired. It's more like I didn't re-up. Episode 6, Machine Guns and Hand Grenades. The Army still had more weapons that we had to learn how to use, but we didn't have to master them. They just wanted to expose us to them. The M60 machine gun. Now this may sound a little weird in today's world, but I have to admit that using a lot of these weapons was fun. The M60 machine gun was a good example. It fires about 550 rounds per minute. That's a lot of firepower. Now, we shot at old cars that had been set out on the firing range, and the bullets from the M60 literally ripped the cars to shreds. You would not want to be on the receiving end of one of these weapons. And then there was the grenade launcher. I believe it was called an M79, but I'm not real sure. But give me a break. It was over half a century ago. The weapon was fun to use. It only fired one round at a time, but the round it fired packed quite a punch. Similar to a shotgun, the M79 fired one 40 millimeter grenade at a time, but it had a range of over 300 yards, a lot farther than an infantryman could throw a hand grenade. And speaking of hand grenades, I'd seen soldiers throwing hand grenades in the movies, so I thought it would be easy. It, it looked like throwing a baseball. Before they would let us touch a real grenade, however, they made us practice with a dummy grenade. These dummies were small metal objects that had resembled, that resembled a grenade. What struck me was how heavy they were. It definitely wasn't a baseball. And throwing one of these puppies took concentration and strength. You had to be able to throw it over a certain height. There was a rope you had to clear, and it had to cover a certain distance. I think they didn't want you to throw it such a short distance that it would do major damage to yourself and your buddies. If you couldn't clear the height and cover the distance they didn't let you near a real grenade. Of course we also received instruction on how to activate it by pulling the pin and when you threw the grenade the handle would pop off and the countdown to explosion would begin and we were warned about milking the grenade, which is loosening your grip on the handle while you held it. The instructors explained that if you did that, you could unknowingly set off the timer and it would blow you up even as you held it in your hand. Definitely not a desired outcome. I don't know about the others, but I tended to grip the handle very, very tightly. I had no desire to find out if what the instructors taught us was true. But even with those warnings, it seemed like an exciting activity. I was looking forward to throwing my first hand grenade, thinking it would be just like the movies. We were positioned behind a special concrete bunker, and the instructor threw a grenade. The explosion was unreal, sending dirt and rocks back at us. It was then that I realized what I was holding in my hand. It was a tiny bomb that could rip you or to be more accurate, rip me to pieces. Needless to say, the fun quickly became respect for a very effective and very deadly weapon. I also developed a lot of respect for the instructors who had to stand in the bunker next to the recruits who had never thrown a grenade before. Those instructors had to make quick decisions. Whatever the army was paying them, was not enough. We also learned how to put on gas masks just in case we came under a chemical attack. And after learning how to make the mask secure, we were taken to a small single room cabin in the woods. A small group was sent into the cabin and the instructor told us to put on our masks. The instructor then walked around and tried to pull off each mask. If he was successful, you had to leave your mask off while while he went on to the next step. And that next step was releasing the gas into the small room. And while those without masks began to tear up, and some even looked like they were going to puke, the instructor explained how the gas worked on a human body. And then he told us all to take off our masks so we would experience what it felt like. Recruits would cough, have trouble breathing, tear up, and look very unhealthy. When the instructor thought a recruit was in enough pain, he would let that recruit leave the cabin and go into the fresh air. Now, for some reason, the gas didn't really bother me. I don't know why, but my eyes didn't hurt and I didn't feel sick, but I didn't want to stay there to see how long I could last. So, and I'm a little ashamed to admit this, I pretended to be in a great deal of discomfort. The instructor looked at me and sent me out of the cabin. I quickly went outside and enjoyed the fresh air without any bad effects from the gas. And then we had to learn how to defeat the enemy in hand-to-hand combat. Now, I would like to say that growing up, I learned how to be a good fighter, a man's man, but that would be just a little bit of an exaggeration. Oh, now, I did watch wrestling on TV, not that NCAA type wrestling where they had rules and regulations, but the type of wrestling where people wore strange outfits and had even stranger names. I also watched roller derby on TV. I think the sport was supposed to have something to do with skating, but it often turned into fights. Now, I did not have a lot of practice with actual one-on-one fighting growing up. In fact, during my entire school career, I was in a grand total of, oh, let's see, what was it? Um, uh, One. Fight, and I did my best to avoid that fight. In fact, I prided myself on my ability to talk my way out of just about any difficult physical situation. But on that day, I wasn't successful. Something was said to me on the playground. We're talking sixth grade here. And my friends who heard what was said made it very clear to me that if I backed down, I would be a worthless coward. Now, I really didn't want to be a worthless coward. I also didn't want to fight, but I wasn't able to come up with any pithy comments that would let me leave with my dignity intact. Being labeled a worthless coward seemed more than I can bear. So the fight began. I moved quickly at my opponent, wrapped my arms around him, and we fell to the ground, and I continued to hold on so he couldn't hit me. That was my entire strategy. Hold on tight for as long as I could. I can't tell you how glad I was when a teacher came over to break up the fight. My schoolyard honor was intact, and more importantly, I wasn't hurt. Now, that just happens to be the whole amount of the awesome fighting background I brought with me to the Army. But the drill sergeant explained, not only did we have to learn how to use all those fun weapons we had been practicing with, but we also had to learn how to fight the enemy with our bare hands. So the army was going to teach us hand-to-hand combat. Now they knew they had to begin with my attitude. The drill sergeant screamed at us to get us properly motivated. What's the sweetest tasting liquid in the world? Well, we screamed back, Blood drill sergeant! That motivation technique was not working for me. But the army didn't care if my attitude was right. They went right on with the training. We practiced many moves that were designed to disable an enemy who was trying to hurt us. It resembled something like judo, but it seemed to me that it required an enemy who would let you grab him, trip him, and roll him to the ground. As I considered real-life applications of those skills in a combat situation... I was leaning toward my preferred way of fighting developed back in sixth grade. Wrap your arms around the enemy and hold on tight. Hopefully a teacher or fellow soldier would come along and end the fight. But then the army introduced me to the hand-to-hand fighting technique of all hand-to-hand fighting techniques. It was called the rear strangle takedown hold. As the drill sergeant demonstrated the technique, I was totally impressed. More than impressed, I was convinced this would work. I could see this working in the jungles of Vietnam, in broad daylight or the dark night. Night seemed to be like a better setting to me, but I was sure it would work in either one. It didn't even matter if the enemy had a weapon. This move was so good that victory was almost guaranteed. You would sneak up on the enemy from behind and then quickly wrap your arm around his neck, jump backwards with your feet going straight out behind you so you would land on your belly. The enemy, totally surprised, would fall backwards and land on his back. And on the way down to the ground, you would make a quick move with your arm and break the enemy's neck. Battle over. Talk about a move. The drill sergeant had us practice the move on each other. Of course, they had certain rules on how to practice because... They didn't want us breaking the necks of our fellow recruits. But it was amazing. It would work. I was sure it would work. Oh, there were a few possible complications. First, you had to find someone who stood perfectly still. Second, you had to find someone who didn't hear you sneaking up behind them through the jungle. I mean, just stepping on a branch or leaf might give you away. Third, you had to find someone who didn't twist out of your hold as you wrapped your arm around his neck and fourth you needed him to be willing to fall straight backwards so you could do the next snapping thing now perhaps it's a good thing that i never had to use this technique in vietnam but i was sure it would work i i think and the army had a lot of other things for us to learn map reading first aid how to use peripheral vision to see at night and many more skills a real soldier would use but finally After two months of training, we were done. We were ready to graduate and become real soldiers. I do have one lesson from this time period. And that is, if you work with dangerous equipment or in dangerous situations, learn to do it correctly. Now in the next episode, I'll tell you about our graduation day. It didn't go quite the way I thought it would. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. Before I go, I'd like to share a blessing with you from the Old Testament. May the Lord bless and protect you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. Number six, 24 to 26.